0: The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: Have you ever thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower.
2: Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my show, Human Behavior. What a trip. And we're lucky to have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Jerusha Clark, and she's the author or co-author of 10 books. She started writing with her husband, Jeremy, and together they co-authored four books. Three of these works, I Gave Dating a Chance, He's Hot, She's Hot, and Define the Relationship, Deal with the Opposite Sex Relationships. After You Drop Them Off, teaches parents how to partner with youth pastors and workers to maximize their child's youth group experience. Jerusha is uh, an accomplished author, and one of her interests is with the um, book called A Cutter's Mind, Understanding and Helping Those Who Self-Injure. And uh, this is not a, a light topic, but it's an important topic, and it may be much more prevalent than some of you know, but at the end of the show, you'll know more. So Jerusha, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
2: I'm glad you're here too. Why don't you start off by telling us, uh, how you decided to look into the, uh, issue of people cutting themselves and, and then take us how, how that, uh, took you into the, uh, start of your, your journey in, in knowing about this.
3: Well, I was working with teenagers, um, about ten years ago, I discovered that some of my brightest and best teenagers were harming themselves, and at the time, I knew very little about the phenomenon of cutting, but I was surprised. I was on a retreat with 10 core students who I assumed were those who had you know, the most handle on teenage life that you could, and 7 out of the 10 of them had engaged in some kind of self-injurious behavior, so that concerned me clearly and made me want to look into this topic further. I didn't personally understand why someone would do that. It actually, to be honest, was pretty frightening to me. I wanted to be able to help these young women. I wanted to understand it more, and the best way for me to do that as an author were uh, was to research and then to write about this topic. So it was quite a journey beginning with just working with teenagers all the way through researching the brain development and the ways in which cutting can affect a person.
2: And, and were the ages of these teenagers uh, 13 through 19 or what?
3: They were, but one thing I discovered, and this is really an essential point for people, I'm glad that it's coming out at the beginning, is that this is not just limited to teenagers. Um, right. al- although most people first try the practice in their teens, it actually peaks in the 20s. And statistics show that the profile for a self-injurer is far more so someone in their mid-20s than it is a teenager because they continue with the self-harming practices once they've tried them in their teenage years.
2: Uh huh. And, and what's your understanding of why these teenagers and then uh, young adults... Are willing to um, attack themselves.
3: Yeah, well, there are a variety of reasons, and it's important that we, you know, recognize that the story is different for every every cutter. Um, a, a person who is self harming has a story to tell, and so I always encourage people when they want to work with a self injurer, if it's a person in their family, to really listen and not make assumptions about why this person is doing it. That said, the most common things that are reported are, one, I don't know how to deal with life, and this is kind of a sense of a volcanic inner energy that is building up. There are things going on that this young person or even a person in their 50s, let's say, just cannot process mentally, emotionally, on a healthy level. And so the chance to do something to alleviate that pain often comes out in a physical way. And unfortunately for some people, that ends up being self-harming. Uh, another reason that people give is that they actually feel numb. And they f- feeling numb, they would rather feel the pain of self-injury than not feel anything. So that was a unique thing that I had not recognized. Another primary reason is that people are dealing with issues such as self, such as sexual abuse, um, physical abuse at home, even emotional abuse. So there are a wide variety of reasons. We could get into a lot of a lot of those.
2: Okay. So I have a couple of questions for you. Sure. Um, it seems to me. The three things you mentioned so far so far, I don't know how to deal with my life, and the next one is uh, feeling numb. Mm-hmm. the next one is dealing with issues. Well I take, take the first two. seems to me those two are actually defenses or walls they put up to not be clear as to who, is, who in their unconscious, they want to retaliate against who have hurt them and who are important people in their lives. Does that make sense to you?
3: It does, what you're saying. And I think that can certainly play a role. There was a really difficult story that I read while I was researching for this about a young woman who was beaten by her father with a belt for some time. And in her early years, she would be beaten, but then the father would be so apologetic and just shower her with love and gifts and try to atone, basically, for this you know, horrendous behavior. Yes. And later, as she grew up and was able to resist more, the abuse stopped. But so did all of the so-called love that he was showering on her, the gifts. It just became stony silence. And that young woman went and got the belt that her father used to beat her with and began to cut herself with it. Because yes. Because she associated that belt with not only the pain, but in a really tragic way also with the love that she had been. It was so intricately and inextricably connected that yes. she didn't know how else to process.
2: Yes. So eventually, what did she do about this in therapy?
3: Well, unfortunately, the story that I read was only up to that point. Um, Uh, You know, I wish that I had, I wish that I had good news to tell you, but that was the story as it was unfolded for me.
4: Yes. Okay. So then
2: you and you also were talking about uh, these people dealing with issues such as sexual abuse, abuse at home. And so um, they're in a bind because they love these people who are their caretakers, but they also have have tremendous retaliatory rage. Right. And they don't even allow themselves to fully be aware of it. They push it down, and then they end up with depression and or anxiety.
3: Yeah. Well, and and self-harm and anxiety, depression. Yes. Um, obsessive-compulsive disorder even, all of these can be um, tied to, to self-harm because, again, those are uh, physical and emotional conditions that people want to do something with them and often don't have a coping mechanism. They typically, the statistics point to um, half of self-injurers having been victims of some form of abuse or neglectful childhood. Now, statistics on this entire topic are extremely hard to come by because of the secretive and even shameful nature of the condition. Yes. Uh, People who are harming themselves are just people like you and I who oftentimes are hurting so badly they don't know what else to do, but when there are elaborate justifications or excuses or, oh, I'm not really... I'm not really cutting myself. I'm just using an eraser to kind of, you know, eat away at my skin, which is a common thing for teenagers these days. They erase themselves, um, which I think is a fascinating metaphor as well for what a self-harmer is often trying to do. But
2: I have a question about that. So when they're using the eraser, are they doing damage to their skin or is it just uh, something to do instead of something more serious?
3: Well, yes, you can uh, do damage to your skin through through erasing too much, and there are a variety of ways that kids at school use, you know, simple school supplies in order to harm themselves: paper clips, staples. You know, obviously, these are things that you wouldn't normally consider weapons, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and the same is true for people who might be in the workplace. They there are, you know, parents or. People who love a self injurer who's out of the house and on their own often try to take everything away that might be a weapon. You know, take the razor blades, take the knives, uh, take the the cigarettes or the lighters or whatever it is because burning burning oneself is also a pretty common form of self harm. Yes, you can't remove every implement that could be used self injuriously. You know, you you just cannot do that, and so. So being aware of that is important because it will drive anybody crazy to try to remove everything. Instead, yes. yeah,
2: I would imagine for some people, uh, getting a lot of tattoos is a way to hurt themselves too.
3: You know, that's an interesting point, and it's debated amongst experts whether or not tattooing, piercing. Other forms of body modification are self-injurious. And what it seems to be is, number one, there's a question of motivation. Yes. Um, you know, why is this person pursuing these these things? And number two, and this is where it's hotly debated, is are the chemicals released in the brain uh, during tattooing or piercing because our body protects itself from any kind of, you know, a yeah. natural invasion, are those chemicals, uh, then do they become addictive? And is that why people who get one tattoo end up wanting another one? Um, if there's not completely clear, to me, I would lean more to the side that um, some of these behaviors can release endorphins and, and chemicals in the brain that would cause a person to want to do that again. Uh-huh. But again, there are experts on both sides of that equation. Brilliant people, more brilliant than I.
4: (laughs) Yes. Okay.
2: Are you there still? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. So um, um, when you talk about how how widespread is the battle with uh, self-injury, and also is it more likely to be uh, females or males or... Well, those are
3: great questions, really important. Right now, the statistic is somewhere between, uh, hovering around 3 million people who self-harm in the United States. And again, very important to note that because of the nature of this practice being, being secretive, having people make excuses for what they're doing because of the shame of it, the number is probably far higher. And I also think it's important to note, and this is why the book that I wrote was not just for the self-injurer, but also for the people around them, because self-injury affects a lot of people. It affects the friends, it affects the spouses, it affects the parents, it affects the siblings. So if you include all of those people that are around a self-injurer who are also struggling in some way with this issue, we're talking about maybe eight million or more people who are facing this issue, perhaps yes. not engaging in the practice themselves, but three million people are taking, you know, their life and harming themselves. Not yes. taking their life in terms of suicide. That is a whole other topic, but you know, the self injurious practices, it's alarming that three million people are doing it, but Doctor Broward is also increasing at an alarming rate.
4: Yes.
2: Uh, I think we're up for a, a commercial break. So we'll come back in about a minute or a minute and a half and continue. A fresh look at today's
5: health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111.
0: DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557.
1: Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111
6: sports psychology sociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors call dr jonathan brower at 818-707-4557
5: your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
1: You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to PhD at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody.
2: We're back with... Jerusha Clark, and we're talking about Inside a Cutter's Mind, Understanding and Helping Those Who Self-Injure. It's one of the books she's written. And uh, by the way, Jerusha, if people want to buy your book, how do they find it so they can buy it?
3: Well, they can access it through my website, which is www.jerushaclark.com. It's also available on Amazon. Any of the large booksellers um, can carry it or or order it for them. But through my website, they can also peruse other titles that are related.
2: All right. So they can go to
3: www.jerushaclark.com. That's right. Okay. So
2: we were talking before the break about the uh, 8 million or so people who are in the uh, vortex of this Cutting,
4: self-cutting,
3: right. yeah, yeah. It's it, it's so hard when you are the one standing outside, um, not knowing what to do, watching this behavior, feeling the confusion, maybe even anger. Why is this happening? Um, a lot of let's take you know for a moment a parent's emotions, someone that's you know watching their child behave in this way. Uh huh. It's very easy to start. On the self-blame trip, and the, the parent—the
2: the parent being the one blaming
3: themselves—right? What did yeah. I do wrong? How did I fail this child? And oftentimes, this is counterproductive to where the family needs to go in order to heal. Uh, uh-huh. I would say that in all cases, it's important to turn your eyes away from self-blame and begin. The path to healing by starting to ask harder questions about what can we do now um, in therapy. They'll be able to journey back and ask those questions that will will provide light and hope for the future. But it's really important not to just jump on the self blame um, wagon because that will keep you from actually helping the person who's self harming.
2: Uh huh. Although um, often when parents are are hurtful to their child, whether it's cutting or not cutting, when the parent is uh, being hurtful to the child, the child has retaliatory rage towards these parents they also love. So now the child's in a bind and they end up pushing down their impulses and feelings and then they end up with depression and anxiety.
3: You're absolutely right and the thing that I was going to bring up next which it sounds like you and I are, are heading in exactly the same direction. Is I'm sure we if, are. <laughs> if so many parents, if so many strugglers with self-harm, I mean, are yeah. coming from abusive or neglect neglected homes, then obviously the parent's reaction is going to be far different than someone who would blame themselves. Uh, their reactions may yeah. be indifferent and may perpetuate the problem with self-harm. Um, yeah. But, of course actually, the,
2: but but the indifference is just a it's a it's a wall. It's a way to avoid their real feelings.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's a a large component of self harm, either by the self harmer themselves or by the parents, the you know, the spouses is this sense of walling off, just like you described, emotions yeah or feelings right. that cannot be processed with the conscious mind. Like, I, I cannot understand this, so I'm just going to push it aside.
4: Yes. And you so, had, go on.
3: Well, you had mentioned previously, and I want to return to this just because I think it's an important point. I don't want it to slip away. Okay. You good. had asked about the relationship between men and women as far as self-injury goes. Yes, and I do think that's an essential thing for people to recognize. Number one, again, people assume that all cutters are teenagers, um, right. and two, that cutters are are more you know women than men. And the statistics actually point to about forty percent of people who self injure being men, and sometimes other statistics point to it being pretty much equal between men and women. Now, uh-huh. men are oftentimes let's say they're hospitalized for depressive behaviors. Yes. Some of their some of their actions are not considered self-harming, they are considered rage actions. But if you look more closely, someone punching a wall and breaking all the bones in their hand, if it's a volitional act, then that is also should be considered self-harm. Because that person is dealing with their anger in a way that is injurious to themselves, and so women who are who are taken in for treatment, let's say to therapy or other, are more obvious with their behaviors. But with men, it's it's uh, getting below the surface.
4: Yes. So the, the
2: uh, issue of let's say a man hitting the wall, we know that. He's not angry at the wall. He's angry at the person who's hurt him. Yeah. He then hits the wall to avoid letting him... So the, the, the victim uh, ends up having this retaliatory rage, but they dump it, they push it down, so they can't know more about what they would want to do, in fantasy at least, this person. In the meantime, as you point out, they actually do harm their their fist, they frequently get a broken bone or two in their hand.
3: Well, and yeah. you touch on a point here that is on a broader, a broader spectrum than just the, you know, the question of how many men versus how many women. Yeah. You, you made a point that that it's just um, the behavior is just the outcome of things that are going on, and I liken it to the tip of an iceberg. Yes. What you see is relatively small portion of what is below the surface and in fact the percentage of that which is seen of an iceberg above water is minuscule compared to the massive amount below and the same is true with self-injury we see a small portion of this person's behavior emotions mental state physical state and what's really going on inside is a lot bigger. So we can't just treat the symptoms. We can't just treat the top of the iceberg, so to speak. We have to get below the surface and find out what's really going on.
4: Yes.
2: So um, in your opinion or with what you know, is self-injury been going on as long as human beings have been alive or is it relatively
4: new?
3: You know what? That is such an, a good question because most people assume that self injury started, you know, relatively recently. But there is actually quite a historical uh, record for self injury. Um, it was first noted in a book uh, called History by Herodotus. It's book number six in the fifth century, talking about uh-huh. about self injury. A lot of self injurious behaviors were encouraged during. The 300s when Hippocrates was first developing um, medicine and rebalancing the body by bloodletting or blistering or vomiting, people were trying to cleanse their bodies and purify themselves. And actually today, a lot of people who self-harm talk about the same, um, the same desire to purify themselves. Um, there's biblical references to self-harm. There are references to self-harm in Hinduism, in Buddhism. In There's a practice in mythical Islamic healers where people work themselves into a ritual frenzy. These are called dervishes, and that uh-huh. is where we get our term whirling dervish. Uh-huh. And they lacerate their own heads and then people who are injured or ill dip bits of bread and sugar in the spilled blood, eat them, and they're reputedly receiving healing in that process. Yes. It's fascinating to go back and look at the historical record for this. And, you know, I had mentioned biblical um, biblical references there, you know, references to people slashing themselves with stone or practicing self-injury and you know, Hindus yes try to gain favor with their god so there's a, a, a just a historical record from the very beginnings all the way through that is culminating i think now in a wider spread wider spread practice
2: uh-huh yeah i um i would guess that as long as there have been uh human beings on this earth and even primates before human beings that when there are attachment bonds that get ruptured and so the uh the parent the adult is uh, being cruel to the child and the uh if the attachment bond rupture doesn't get repaired then there's a huge problem for the child for the rest of their life and that um, uh self sabotage is a very um, common way that people punish themselves when they've done something that in their unconscious was bad even though in reality they didn't attack the parent so um, self sabotage is much more general than you know uh, self abuse or self cutting, but I just wanted to point out that there's some relationship like that
3: yeah the thing that i would add to that is you know i spoke in researching this book with many self-harmers who talked about evil draining out of them or uh-huh. and so you mentioned that and that is an essential thing to bring out is it's likened to a draining through the blood being let out of the body they say that they're drained of being bad or being evil and, and those kind of that kind of language is really difficult for someone who has never thought of harming themselves to understand, but it's a practice that, as you say, has been across history. Yes. Used yes. In this sense of blood being an atonement for something that is done that is considered bad, wrong, evil. Yes.
2: Yeah. So... um from, from what you know, what are some of the most prevalent misconceptions about self-injury?
3: Well, clearly, um, you know, cutting can, can lead to a variety of in, infections. And one of the ways that a person who loves someone who they suspect is self-harming but don't know is actually people who self-harm often inhibit the healing of their wounds uh-huh. Even if those wounds were not created by themselves. Let's say uh, a child falls down, scrapes their knee, and they parents have been suspecting that something's going on, you know, but watching this person not let the cut heal over and over again. Yes. And, or there's many stories of self-injurers who were discovered because they refused to get treatment. For wounds, they resisted going to the doctor to have um, have their their cuts dressed, and then it starts becoming clear this is a pattern that's going on. Now, burning is another form of self harm that is, you know, carries a great risk of of infection um, because those wounds are open, um, and you know, we talked. Previously, about people who break their own bones, this actually does occur with some frequency. People who harm themselves to that point—not just punching walls, doing um, doing things to specifically harm themselves in a major way.
2: Well, like, yeah. for example, they might break their bones by taking a hammer.
3: Yes, and, yes, uh, and smashing
2: right. their wrist or something.
3: Right, and obviously, uh-huh. that's a very extreme form of self harm. But yes, the more that you you more that you self-injure, the more that you need in order for it to work. And that's yeah. why for people who do engage in cutting, they may cut on a surface level for a while, but then the cuts often become deeper and deeper because that's the only way to get the same effect as what started with the surface cuts.
2: Well, well, when they go deeper and deeper, whether it's breaking bones or, or cutting or whatever, some of these people actually die from these.
3: Oh, you're right. The risk of suicide is there. uh, And although people tend to um, begin the practice with all of these surface things, like I mentioned, even weapons that you wouldn't consider weapons, um, as they go deeper, the risk of infection, the risk of suicide becomes exponentially greater and oftentimes a self-injurer doesn't recognize how close they're coming to a major vein or artery or that they are uh, yeah. they could possibly pass out from losing blood and then not not regain consciousness so it's yes. clearly a very dangerous practice as it progresses but I do want to make the point since the issue of suicide just came up that Self-injurers, on the whole, are not attempting suicide. That's yeah, so it's a very
2: small percentage of people who are doing suicide.
3: This is actually a, a method of holding on to life. As confusing as that may sound, people who self-injure are using cutting or burning as a life preserver. They want to hang on. They just don't know what else to do. So mm-hmm. it's, an, it's a fascinating psychological dynamic wherein... People who are hurting themselves are trying to reattach themselves to some kind of life. These are often the ones who felt numb that would rather feel pain than feel nothing. And so they harm themselves in order to stay present in this world. And it's a, again, it's something that's very uh, difficult for those of us who don't self-harm to understand. But yes. they are attempting not to commit suicide, but rather to re-engage with life on some level
2: yes so um, uh, before when you were talking about um, well, you, you didn't you, you didn't talk about it, but I was thinking it's very common for young kids when they scrape their knee or something or their elbow, and then they start getting this crust over the injury, and then they pull the crust off right. Now, they're not doing that, I don't think, to be harmful themselves, but no, it, there is an, it is an interesting phenomenon.
3: Yes, it's important to differentiate between a child, let's say, who's banging their head on the wall because they're a rambunctious little boy and someone who's repeatedly banging their head on the wall, motivated out of pain, and so yeah. it's the same thing, you have to Watch. That's why I was mentioning watching patterns. Like if it happens once or, you know, you notice it's just a kind of it's there, I'm sort of picking at it, then, you know, watching closer to see if this is a recurring pattern is what I meant to say. So I'm sorry if I didn't articulate that clearly enough. That's
2: okay. I think we're coming up for another quick break. We'll be back. Hang on, everybody.
5: Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111.
0: DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557.
1: Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805 535 5111. That's 805 535
6: 5111. Sports Psychology can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818 707 4557. Your
5: life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to PhD at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Jonathan Brower with you again. Um, I want to give you the phone number in case you want to call in and ask a question or make a comment. It's uh, 1-866-472-5792. And I'm with my guest, Jerusha Clark. And we're talking about Inside a Cutter's Mind, Understanding and Helping Those Who Self-Injure. That's a book she's written. And you can go to her website if you like. JerushaClark.com, and um, you can learn more about how to buy the book. So, Jerusha, I had a question for you during the break. I thought of this: Are there any studies uh, regarding this cutting and and over and the general way of people being uh, hurting to themselves? Is there any uh, um, information on twins when they're identical twins? Is it Common that they would both be doing this kind of behavior or just one of them how does that work or don't you know?
3: You know I, I'm i not familiar with any study on that. I think that would be a fascinating uh, bit of yeah. research to, to look at but no I don't have any experience on particularly on twins in family groups um, specifically if there is sexual and physical abuse going on with multiple children, then that can certainly lead to self-harm being a family practice in some ways. So extending that potentially with twins, if they are in situations that would would be a trigger for self-harm, then I would imagine that could be the case. But I don't have any specific... statistics on that.
2: Yeah, and then I had two other questions I just thought of. One is um, are there parents, are there adult parents who are busy cutting or harming themselves, but their children, well that's one part, and then the other part is but their children don't do this harmful behavior.
3: Well, certainly if it's a secretive behavior and there's, you know, they don't they don't recognize what it is, uh-huh. then obviously that would not be as much of an issue. Um, social contagion is what the psychologist uses the phrase for seeing someone else or nu- numerous people, like, for instance, celebrities or reading blogs or these kind of things that would cause someone to self-injure. That's just one part of why a person would start to self-injure so uh-huh. watching if a parent was actually re- you know revealing their cuts or or the child was watching them do this practice then uh-huh. i would say you know exponentially higher chance that they will engage in those practices but it's just one part that there seems to be in some people almost hardwiring for self-destructive behaviors what happens with self-injury chemically is that the body releases opiates natural occurring opiates chemicals that are actually eight to ten times stronger than morphine and these uh-huh. are taken up in opiate receptors in the prefrontal cortex of the brain and it seems that in self-injurers who engage in this practice regularly that are there are more opiate receptors in that prefrontal cortex. And so a person who, you know, takes this, does this behavior once will feel that rush of release as they might with getting a shot of morphine. Uh-huh. they was radical when I discovered that because then asking the question about addiction if you had that rush of release and relief and, um, you know, almost a, a high from cutting yourself, then why would you not return to the practice? And how easily that would become something that you would go searching for again and again and like we were talking about before the break, needing to cut deeper and deeper in order to get that release and the, the feeling of chemical um of, you know, satisfaction that comes from those chemicals being released.
2: Yeah, as you're talking about that, I was thinking about uh, professional athletes who are in violent sports, such as football and ice hockey. Uh-huh. And they have lots of injuries, and they play through them. And then they have uh, their naturally occurring opiates, and then they have the opiates or the, the drugs they get from the doctors, whoever. So is that would that be considered... Perhaps uh, an aspect of self-abusing uh, one, oneself or self-mutilating oneself?
3: Well, again, we have to go back to the question of motivation. Just like with tattooing or piercing yeah. or, or interfering with a cut by picking a scab, it really would be dependent on why that person is... Is engaging in those behaviors that could be harmful, like putting themselves in the path of getting hit a hard football play. Um, yes. On the awesome. whole, yeah. it's not you know statistically prevalent to, to see athletes who are who are doing this. That hasn't been there hasn't been any connection between that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, performance enhancing drugs could be considered. You know, self harming, but. The motivation is to perform better within their sport. And if the motivation for any self-injurious behavior is coming out of the desire for release or relief or to escape numbness, then no, I would not, I would say that those behaviors are typically not self-mutilation. Uh-huh. But, you know, self-injury is prevalent in all races. It's prevalent in all economic backgrounds. You know, people tend to think of self-harmers as just the kind of goth-looking, black-wearing you know, teenager who's troubled and in school and PhDs and, you know, Everybody. who are homeless. You know, yes. everywhere in between, uh, all ethnic bra- backgrounds have been in studies about self-harm. All economic backgrounds, somebody who's fabulously wealthy um, could be... Self-harming. I mean, Princess Diana engaged in self-harming behaviors, you know, in her beauty and her wealth and everything that she had. There was still volcanic pain within her. Many people have read the stories of the things that have gone on, but, you know, with her life that might cause her to injure herself. But from the outside, people looking at her would think, oh, there's nothing wrong going on in her life. And so you have to be really careful with a self-harmer. From the outside, they may may look like everything's fine, but on the inside, they're wasting away.
4: Yes.
2: And uh, what you're talking about, is that quite prevalent in the world of celebrities in high society?
3: You know, actually, there have been many celebrities that have come out and talked about their cutting, Angelina Jolie, Johnny Depp, and what's hard as a person like myself who wants to help people, you know, go away from self-injury is that these people almost make it seem cool. You know, they talk about their self-injurious behavior in a sense of, and now I'm over it, but, you know, being that these are edgy, interesting people, you know, uh, self-harmers look at it and think, oh, well, if that person does it, then it makes me cool like them and that is a danger you know because celebrities have a platform through which they can talk about both their successes and their failures and their struggles um people are listening people are watching that and and certainly that can contribute to you know self injurious behaviors
2: yes so uh last night i happened to be watching this show on tv it had to do with uh uh, uh human beings who are indigenous to the northern pole the north pole uh-huh. and how hard their life is uh-huh. and how they have to scrape and struggle every day just to uh stay alive i would imagine in those cultures there's less self uh, there's less self-abuse because they don't have the time for it
3: yeah no i i think that you're right um and yet, there is, you know, because self-injury is across the board. Being in a situation that is hopeless, regardless of where you're at, could yes. could lead to that. But I think you're right. Those that have more self-analysis time to be able to be introspective and to and to look at what's going on may be more likely to self-injure. But Self-injury, this is a really important thing. Self-injury is only a temporary solution. It makes a person feel better for a time, but it's a very short period of time. Yes. And the only way to to deal with self-injury is through developing other coping mechanisms because that is exactly what self-injury is, a coping mechanism. Yes. And it's a way to cope with feelings that are common to all of us We all face sadness, we all face fear, we all face failure, we all face feeling out of control at some point, but we try to develop healthy coping mechanisms to deal with those things. Okay,
2: we're going to take our last uh, break and we'll be back in about a minute. Okay. Okay.
5: A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111.
0: DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive short-term dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557.
1: Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information That's 805-535-5111.
6: SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557.
5: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to PhD at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip.
2: Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with Jerusha Clark. She's written a wonderful book called Inside a Cutter's Mind, Understanding and Helping Those Who Self-Injure. And you can go to her website, www.jerushaclark.com, and you can look at ways in which you can get hold of one of her books. She's written quite a few. So, Jerusha, we're back to uh, talking about cutting and other ways in which people are self-inflicting pain. And you, you talked about, uh, sadness and failure. And, uh, it seems to me that the self-injury is a very punitive way to take out on themselves what they really feel towards people who have hurt them who they also love.
3: Right, it can be a very punishing behavior. Um- And again, where we go back to helping people develop coping mechanisms rather than, you know, self harm, and helping them to exercise, take a walk is actually a distracting thing as well. To get outside, Um, you know, there are times that it's a healthy coping mechanism for somebody to, you know, um, even to just skip stones on a lake, kind of thing. I know it sounds um, simple and maybe silly, but dealing with Oh, wait, wait, wait.
2: It may, it may be simple, but it's not silly.
3: Yes. In my, no. in my
2: opinion, it's not silly, but it is simple. Yeah. But
3: self-harmers are using cutting or burning as a coping mechanism, so helping them develop that. And one of the obviously foremost treatments for self-harm will be to engage in therapy. And during that time, to the therapist and then the family and friends alongside to help that person begin to talk about what's going on inside because typically self-harmers are not good communicators and they either can't communicate because they've never been taught or they've been told to shut up. And so drawing a person out through asking gentle, open-ended questions is a good place to start. Just asking about, you know, I noticed that that you are wearing a lot of baggy clothes. Is there something going on with your body that you're not happy yeah. about? And it's just important to kind of press into things and not let them go.
2: Right. So when you talked about the baggy clothes, I immediately went to someone who's anorectic, and they're wearing the baggy clothes so people won't see how thin they are. Yeah. And that's a form of self-mutilating too.
3: Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. And being able to recognize other warning signs, you know, are, are really important if there's wearing accessories to cover certain parts of the body over and uh-huh. over again, or if there's clusters of similar markings on a person's body, um, if they use language that express, expresses either low self-worth or like a needing to be punished kind of uh, mentality, like you said, if yes. there are um, you know, if you find hidden stashes of gauze or bandages or sharp instruments, obviously that's a huge warning sign. Yes. And then you may hear from a friend of a friend or another family member that this person is self-injuring, and you should take that seriously and look into it. It's, it's not just a phase that people outgrow, and it's not something that will go away on its own. It definitely needs to be addressed and to be treated.
2: Yeah, so for the uh, person who's self-mutilating, I imagine um, they want their friends to not tell anybody about it, thinking their friend is doing them a favor.
3: Right. No, that's where it just is courage is needed because it's far more important to preserve a person's life and health than it is to... Avoid making them angry, so I would encourage all those who are listening and may feel that they're not able to say something to be brave and to step forward to help the person who's self-harming you're going to be a key component
2: yes well, I agree it's very important that be done
3: and I think that it also is important before we close the show to recognize that there are a lot of different ways that a person who self-harms can come to healing. And so don't assume that everybody has to take the same path. It's important that we recognize that there are great therapeutic approaches that, and this is something that I bring out in the book, that we don't have time here to go through all of the different methods of therapy or healing processes that can be engaged in, but don't lose heart. If you're walking alongside someone who's self-injuring and you feel like you've tried something, you've, you know, done this, you've tried medication, you've tried therapy, there are a lot of ways that a person can find hope and healing through faith, through, um, through friendship, through other, other channels that Therapy is going to be important but it doesn't always have to look the same. Uh-huh. I just want to encourage people who are coming alongside a self insurer not to not to lose hope because it can be very difficult.
4: Yes.
2: And then the people who uh, through old age have these problems, do they seem to die earlier than the average human being or doesn't anybody know?
3: Well, you know, obviously, self-harming practices continuing through a whole lifetime make it far more likely for a person to die of those injuries. Now, whether or not they die because of those injuries or that it's shortened their lifespan by continual self-harm would be really difficult to separate from just the body's natural aging process. But self-harm... Where's the body down? Yes. And you know, people who self-harm are often trying very hard to send a message to those around them. There's a little poem that I came across that says, how will you know I'm hurting if you cannot see my pain? Uh Wear it on my body says what words cannot explain. So these cuts are like their words. They are trying to express themselves through these self-injurious behaviors. And those of us who are around should take note and begin to help that person develop healthy coping mechanisms.
4: Yes.
2: So uh, we're going to have to stop in about half a minute or so. Um, What prompted you to want to do this book in the first place?
3: I just want to help people. It's heartbreaking for me to see people who are injuring themselves. Uh If I could bring any light to the subject, that was my desire.
2: Uh-huh. Well, I hope a lot of people get to read your book and and if need be call you and then you can perhaps uh uh refer them to people who can help them more.
3: Uh well I sure appreciate your willingness to address this difficult subject. It's not an easy one.
2: Yeah. Well I've enjoyed our time and it was very interesting to hear you and uh and I learned some things which is nice for me to learn. So thank you. I, I appreciate your taking the time to do this show with me and perhaps we'll uh, intersect in some way in the, in the future
1: absolutely
2: okay well thank you so much for being on the show today bye bye
1: thank you again for listening today tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel have fun experiencing your human behavior